The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. The father of the bar and the holy toast. Hello and welcome to FOFOP. I'm Will Anderson. Guest Charlie Clawson this week is Scott Dooley. Hello. Uh, we're, we're recording in the pod cave, mm. but we're recording on even more amateurish uh, equipment than usual. If it was any more primitive, it would be someone, it would be like a sketch artist from a courtroom. Right. You this know what is, I mean? We basically are making you a homemade cassette. Yeah. yeah. Like, Which is romantic. It's really weird, too, because for whatever reason, duels seem softer. Now, uh, hopefully on the recording, this won't come up the case, yeah. but we've turned the microphone around different ways. Mm. We've played with the game. Yeah. It seems when the game went up, it got softer. softer, and when the game went down, it got louder, which was counterintuitive to what yeah. we, as the monkeys from Planet of the Apes, finally trying to get duels <laughs> together, seem to be doing. Yeah, that's right. It's... Um... No, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's been tough. Have you just felt maybe that you're a little off mic at the moment? Like in your life in general? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> Will. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it might be. Maybe yeah. this podcast sees straight to your soul. Do you know what I mean? Like, and oh, it's, I hope not. It's, like, it's kind of like a podcast aura. Yeah. The way that you come up on the podcast is how you actually are in your life. If this was a, if that was like you know to to stretch that metaphor to a Polaroid picture, yeah, I'd be I'd look like Bill Cosby and Ghost Dad, right? Like I'd be kind of transparent, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I've, there's been some changes lately. Um, are you allowed to talk about the fact that you're moving out of the country? Yes. Yeah. I can't. Oh shit. It's so, okay. Um, it's yeah, fine. I'm pretty sure you can't break anything that we no, put no, together no. here. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a seventeen dollar card table. I like the card table. Got it at Office Works on Saturday. Got in Ice Spy in the uh, Daily you know, Telegraph funny. yesterday. I, I went to uh, I went to that same office works the day it was in the Telegraph. Is that right? And I opened up this morning. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. So it's not just someone at Office Works who's eye spying people who come in, like the Office Works PR guy. Like this will be a good opportunity. <laughs> Look, someone off the telly needs yeah. supplies. Yeah. So what else did you? I love Office Works. Yeah. Me too. I was just selling them stuff. <laughs> Right. I steal a lot of stuff so from the ABC. Yeah. <laughs> still, still got the printer that the monkey couldn't figure so out. It's how weird it. that all this photocopier paper has Osterio <laughs> logos on it. Nothing weird. It's cheap. Yeah, Take it. exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I went there. I had to get cards, place cards for a thing. That it's, uh, it's no matter what you buy at Office Works, and you've got something kind of cool. You got a card table. Yep. It's cushiony. Seventeen dollars being used right now. Yeah. That's still a boring story. There's no, like no one's got a great office work. Made I spy, mate. Yeah, I know, but it's still it's like kind of for our overseas listeners who don't know what I spy is. It's like one of those uh, stupid newspaper columns where they're just like, here's someone you might have heard of doing something that people do. Spot it, and it's always <laughs> someone 
It's all like it's. It, there's always someone that you know, like you, for instance, and then there's someone that you remember. So right. it's like, oh. Frankie J. Holden is having a coffee. <laughs> That's great. It's true, though. Like, uh, my favourite one, and I have a favourite one. I've got well, a I've got, well. I'm going to show you my two favourites. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I've got two favourites as well. Okay. And people who've listened to the podcast may have heard these two favourites because they are, and they will be able to back up my two favourite <laughs> I Spies ever. One is Bob Hawke, former Australian Prime Minister Bob Hawke, yeah. buying a Tats Lotto ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Waited to see what he was up to. Right, what's Hawkey up to? He's not sculling a beer at the cricket. But I love it also, it says something about our country that you were leader of our country for 10 years, mm. took our country, you know, like, I mean, really reformed the finances. Like, a well remembered Prime Minister mm. Hawkey. Yeah. Probably should go in the lotto, though, just. <laughs> Just in case. As a flip side to that, I know Hannibal Buress uh, did this bit. This is the difference between a former American leader and a former Australian. Uh-huh. Where Jimmy Carter was on his plane. Right. And Jimmy Carter went through the plane and shook hands with every single person on the plane before the plane took off because, you know, he's a former president. And Hannibal really couldn't get his head around the fact that he was flying commercial. Whereas we all believe, oh, yeah, totally, but we definitely do Powerball. Like, right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, people know that I sat next to John Howard on a plane back from Darwin one day. Really? Yeah, like we were sitting like in the seats next to each other. Shit. I couldn't believe it was in 13C here. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> you get an exit room as the Prime Minister. <laughs> a little bit of leg room for you, little Johnny. Uh, so, yeah, um, okay, so that is probably my number two. Yeah. My number one ever, without a doubt, mm-hmm. is Ostentatious, <laughs> the former. Um, for overseas listeners, Ostentatious was an Australian stand-up comedian from, like, the 80s, I guess, mm-hmm. who still... He still performs. He's still ostentatious. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's still, he's, he's, he's around the track. Not his real name, spelled yeah. A-U-S-T-E-N, good. ostentatious. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, it was his stage name. And he became famous for doing a thing called Australiana, mm-hmm. which um, I will post to the Facebook page when I put this up. I'll find Australiana. And basically it's just a, a comedy bit made up of, you know, a story a made up record. of... It was a number and record. Yeah. But he didn't write it. No. Billy, Billy Birmingham, Birmingham the 12th man. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So he's a guy famous... He's essentially famous for doing a cover song. Like, and he's made 30 years of brooding it. He imagines himself to be the Australian Lenny Bruce. Like, <laughs> he even dresses that way. Yeah, you, know, yeah. You, you never see him. Like, you see him down the shops and stuff in the leather jacket, the dark glasses, glasses yeah. the hair slicked yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's still living ostentatious. All right? Yeah. So, ostentatious, yeah. spotted, walking past... The Moore Park Supercenter. <laughs> now, so many mysteries, Jules. Did he go in? Had he had he already been into the Moore Park Supercenter? Was he thinking about buying a new couch? Can I just ask you a question? Had he just been out? <laughs> was he walking by? Was he going to that Hungry Jacks at the servo across the road? What was Ostentatious doing? I have a question as well. Did they spell Supercenter correctly? Because that's S-U-P-A-S-E-N-T-A. Oh. I'm not... I'm a stickler for the spelling of Supercenter yeah. when it comes to more... Time. I mean, well, they were going to get sued by DC if they called it Supercenter. <laughs> so, what a... Because for people that don't know, that that part of the world is a weird... 
It's not a walking place. Oh, no, no. There's no, so, foot, there's no foot traffic into the super centre. It's essentially you your main uh, transit from Sydney Airport to the city. To the city. Yeah, so it's three lanes each way. Just imagine any city in the world. It's not your... Hmm. People are not like, you know where I want to live? <laughs> you know that road on the way to the airport? You know that road that everyone goes down all the time? Yeah. To the place where the really loud planes take off? Yeah, 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 that place. Where about it? Be good if we lived near there. That is a great idea. I mean, imagine the cab fare it would save us. <laughs> right. I know someone that moved in. There's these weird developments that are there. So there's kind of, there's the super centre, there's a car yard, and then there's these weird... Um, oh, no, so they've just... Redeveloped. They've just redeveloped... <clears throat> So basically, um, you know, it's a situation that's happening all over the world, which is essentially inner city urban sprawl, which is this idea that they're just building up these Mm. massive inner... So this entire area that was like wasteland and I think, you know, in the old days was places where people worked in jobs with things... Glass factories and things like that, yeah. Things that now... Chinese people do for cheaper than we do. Yeah. So guess what? Yeah. Let's put up some apartments. Put up some apartments. Yeah. Well, ironically, predominantly Chinese students. Yeah. Right. So a friend of mine uh, moved into one of these places. He was like, this can be great. I'm going to get in. And it was an apartment block. I think the apartment block was pretty big. It was like 150 apartments. Uh-huh. For three months, he was the only person in the whole building. What? <laughs> yeah. In the whole building? Yeah. And then and then it was full and he was the only person that spoke English. Right. Yeah. I mean, that would have been cool for a while. It would have been terrifying, though, because like, no one knows you're there and I suppose you can turn your music up. Like, but if that's the major selling point of living that close to an airport is that you can make as much noise as possible. I would feel like, to be honest, I would just be excited by the fact that I had my entire, like, I feel like it was uh, that TV show um, 666 uh, Park. Park Avenue, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, it was the haunted... I mean, (laughs) it got (laughs) cancelled, so we're never sure. We're not really... Oh, so many on Instagram. The amount of letters I've written to FX. (laughs) Just for closure. Well, I've got that many questions about fucking ostentatious walking past the (laughs) wallbox. Yeah, I can imagine you're 666. Mate, I'm about to start writing Alcatraz fan fiction because I'm so (laughs) unresolved about why those guys were coming back from the dead. What happened to them? Where did they go? Why were they coming back? There was... Yeah, they had unfinished business, you know. So imagine. much. Um, well, 32 of them or something disappeared, and eight of them came back until they cancelled it. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is terrible, but I want to know what the premise is. <laughs> At least explain the premise. I like the guy that was, Mum, everything's fine. I just landed a role. I'm going to be the ninth guy back. Right. It's going to be great. It's going to be and huge. And then it got cancelled. Ah. Um, my favourite I spies. Yeah. In no particular order. Number two is Claudia Carvin, who is an actress. Australian Australian actress. actress, Very popular Australian actress. Very good actress. Really good, yeah. Uh, It was uh, Claudia Carvin was spotted using a bathroom at a Redfern cafe. So someone (laughs) hasn't even waited for her to get back into the dining room. They've got, hey, that chick from Circle Love Us having a shit. Alert the media. And well, because that's the thing is, like, they could have just said, at the cafe. So specific. Or, enjoying a soy latte, 
that seem to then lead to some stomach trouble. <laughs> There's so many things you could have described. <laughs> using the bathroom. Right. The other one, which means there's a possibility that Claudia didn't shut the toilet, didn't shut the door. That's how they knew, because she could have been in there doing anything. Maybe Claudia's researching a role. She strikes me as like a method actress. You know what I mean? Yeah. She strikes me as someone who would be like, well, you know, I've got to play this character that does a shit in front of (laughs) her. that I'm now interested in. What an unnecessary character trait. There is no need for that to be. Even bad boy Bubby was locking the door. You can just hey, who's writing your uh, new movie? Oh, mate, this hotshot guy, he's done Young four man. massive hits. Uh, you name the name and the dude's like, hey, um, I actually worked with him. Right. Yeah, is this, and is it, I don't really know how to bring this up, but um, it's fine. Was in the script when he first mm. was there a lot of unnecessary scenes of women shitting? <laughs> Do you know it's so funny you say that because I felt it was a bit much. <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand what it has to do with the Transformers, like. If one of them had turned into a toilet and then she shit in the toilet, maybe that's a metaphor. She's like shitting in the mouth of a Decepticon. I get that. And Michael Bay with a huge sweeping shot to open right. the thing comes in and there's Megan Fox. Right. Just having a shit. Turning the paper. We're going to need four helicopters. Why? Well, <laughs> here's something that everybody loves. Megan Fox. Yep. I'm Here's in. something that everybody has to do every day. Take a shit. You combine those two things. Where's my giant check? I'm Michael Bay. The Ninja Turtles are aliens. What did you say? Maybe that was the negotiation for his Ninja Turtle thing. He's like, all right, I will take the scene of Megan Fox having a shit out of Transformers mm. if you let me make the Ninja Turtles aliens. <laughs> they're like, well, we think that's a weird idea because they're already mutant turtles. Yes. But was he, was he, no one's going to believe that turtles would mutate. And then karate, you know, that's... But if they're aliens, that's believable. I like to think that the writer, the shit writer, is like he he's a girl walked in on him shitting. Oh yeah. And he was really embarrassed. And now his oh. life work is to expose right. women's shitters. So that's his truth. That's his truth. And he right. brings it out as fuck you, Cassidy. Look who I'm making shit now. Cordy Carvin. She's not too good for it. You know, like he puts it down. So like she walked in and went, oh, then broke up the next week. And he thinks in his head that it was because she saw him shitting. But in reality, he was a jerk. Man. Yeah, right? And now all these things, he's like, man, she'll be laughing once I get Asha Ketty shitting on front. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone does it! <laughs> and that's his whole deal. That's his catchphrase. <laughs> Everyone does it! <laughs> well, self-harming. <laughs> um, and he 
hate golden retriever puppies because they're always advertising toilet paper. Fuck you, puppies. He's got a lot of issues, but he's got big problems. But he's a great artist. Like he makes. He's art, yeah. I mean, art. Sometimes we look over shit. He's like, what? You forgave Polanski? <laughs> yeah. He fucked a child. All I want to do is get prominent actresses to shit. <laughs> I pay them. I pay them. Like, it's not like I'm forcing them a gunboy to shit against their will. I literally give them millions of dollars to shit on camera. I'm the criminal and Polanski gets the trophy. You look at yourself, people. Everyone does it. Why does he always say that? That's all he says when he collects awards. Everyone does it. And then the music starts. The picket fences thing comes on. Is it weird that he brings his own music to awards night? No, he's got a thing about seeing Lauren Holly on the toilet. <laughs> he just loves Tom Skerritt. He's, he's a Skerritt fan. That was such a I great mean, show. Picket Fences. Yeah, Don Cheadle was on it. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. And um, who else? Lauren Holly. It was a good show. The girl from Charmed. <laughs> Fourth build. Oh, yeah, she was down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like Tom Skerritt. I was a Skerritt fan. I, I was, there was a while where I would, he's one of those guys that I always wish would get better parts. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? Because you, he's so likable and so watchable that you mm. were kind of like, why doesn't this guy work all the time? I would watch him in lots of stuff. Totally. He had a, uh, I'm like that with Maverick. Um, what's the Maverick? The dude who was, uh, Maverick. Val Kilmer. <laughs> Tom Cruise. No, no, I'm not in Tom Gunn, sorry. Right. I understand in retrospect <laughs> yeah. how that would have been confusing. How that I mentioned a movie and then named a character from that movie, but in my head I'd moved on to James Garner. <laughs> <laughs> and my apologies to you, sir, for not coming with it. Um, yeah, Garner, yeah. yeah. yeah He's Garner. one of those guys as well that I'm just like, Whatever you're doing, I'll have a look at it. I enjoy watching him. The problem with them is there's someone that's a bit better than them just ahead. Like, right. like Skerritt, I think, is um, Jack McCoy from Law and Order. Oh. He's the Skerritt. Because you can see Skerritt playing Jack McCoy. Skerritt? Why is Skerritt not a Law and Order fucking... Oh, he has... You know what? Skerritt, Law and Order. Here we go. Mm. Skerritt is a character on Law and Order. Who's he play? Yeah, he plays this judge uh, that... Um, He's really mean. He's like a, got a conflict of interest, and he rules out something. He hates women or something. I, I remember some... that it was something like, "How was she dressed?" Yeah. Or like she was asleep while she was being right. raped. Like, yes, yeah. I do remember and that. He, and and he has a problem with one of the lawyers, and it's a bit of an ongoing yeah, thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, we're really good at casting people and things that are already in. <laughs> Do you know who would be great in Breaking Bad? That dude from Malcolm in the Middle. Now you've lost me. That was <laughs> I did love that tweet that someone wrote, which was, wouldn't it be great if um, Walt goes into witness relocation after Breaking Bad and that's the first episode of Malcolm in the Middle? Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't that an amazing idea? Like that universe. <laughs> oh, that whole thing. <laughs> Was just like, leading up to, you're not the boss of me now, and Frankie oh Miller's learning to drive. The whole time he's like, these kids shit me, but, I mean. <laughs> Better than the alternative. This is the life. <laughs> I say, are you a Breaking Bad? No. Okay. No, I haven't watched it. And, and not because I'm, 
Uh, everyone raves about it, but I just haven't. I haven't, I haven't watched a television series since. Oh, House of Cards was the last one I watched. Did you enjoy that? Oh, I loved it. Have you seen the original? No. Oh, the uh, the UK. Oh no! I was talking about the. Um... Uh, I was about to make up some country that had done it, but I, I was like going through my head going, what's a comical country? And all of the ones that came into my head were racist. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I would, can I say, and without throwing what I think you were thinking onto you, Kevin Spacey with a flapping dicky, that would still work. You know what I mean? Like, like every time he walked in, like a big gong went off. Right. I would like that. Uh, no, I, I liked it. I liked the House of Cards. So I thought it was good. Mm. I find um, in a weird way, you know when you find someone really hot that you're like, I'm not really, that's not really my type. And I'm not really like, I don't even think this girl is, I mean, she's a very attractive girl, but mm. like in that, yeah, if people were listing off, you know, hey, these are people who are really hot, this person wouldn't would even be, on, your be list. on the list. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I find the young journalist character in that show very hot. Yeah, uh, Kate Mara, I want to yeah. say her name is. Yeah, yeah. And I, I find Kevin Spacey's wife incredibly sexual and there's something about her. Right, Robert mm. Wright. Yeah. The Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Oh, it's a real Oedipus thing, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we need to get, you know what I did that whole thing is if there's just one scene of her shitting and we right. get that guy to write in just one episode so I wonder what's going to happen with that dude so he's the vice president is oh spoiler alert spoiler alert yeah this whole podcast is a spoiler yeah. alert yeah. we just talk about shit all the time <laughs> I mean seriously if you're a person who listens to this podcast yeah. and you like seeing movies and you hate them being spoiled and you have no hands to pause a podcast, then I apologise to you. However, if you are a person listening with hands, yeah. when we start talking about shit that you don't want spoiled, you don't. can stop it, go listen to Dools' podcast, Greenlight Boys. Yep, you should do that. You can listen to that. You can listen to Ah Yeah Dude, my Ah uh, uh, Yeah Dude, mm. which is my... Um, Current favourite podcast. I'm just sorry. I haven't heard that one. Who's that? It's oh, they're one of the original podcasts. They've been doing it for like seven, eight years. Yeah, they're right. Two American guys. Yeah. Uh, two American Americans, as they say. America through the eyes of two American Americans. Great. It's a great podcast. It's a podcast where they take kind of, kind of quirky news and stuff from the week, and they just they're two guys who talk, and they've Amazing. been doing it forever. They've done like nearly 400 episodes. Wow. And I love their podcast. It makes me laugh. So much. One of the guys is the son of John Larroquette. Oh, now John Larroquette was so... So he had... The John Larroquette show was really slept on. That was a really funny, weird show. Right. just came at the wrong time, I thought. Yeah. I was, I was a big fan because I liked... Um, what was the big show that he had bef- before that? There was a... It was like... Uh, oh, I want to say Night Court, but was it Night Court? No. What's John Larroquette? I'm sorry. I'm... Yeah. No, I'm taking a complete blank. Cause no, I'm, I'm blanking as well. I don't even know how to spell John Larroquette, but I'm going to Google it and see if we can... Uh, he, there was a great... There was a great John scene Larroquette. in the John Larroquette show where there was uh, a, a, a black guy was with him and, and the, he was a younger dude and he was getting into rap and he said to John, um, hey, uh, did you listen to my tape yet? And he goes, yeah, I did. Excellent use of the term bugging. <laughs> That's what he said. It was great. 
right, let's learn about John Larroquette. Uh, John Edgar Bernard Larroquette III. Hello. Hello. Hello, John Larroquette. Uh, born November 25, 1947, is an American film, television and stage actor. His roles include Dan Fielding on the 1984 to 1992 sitcom Night Court. Better being. There we go. Uh, winning a then unprecedented four consecutive Emmy Awards for the role. Shit. Fuck, man, four. Four in a row. Before fucking Frasier, before, you know, any of that shit. Michael Jordan from. couldn't do that. Four in a row. Yeah, he took a Larry Kett, buddy. Larry Kett. Fucking Larry Kett. Go to baseball. Bringing the out. shit. Uh, people might know him from The West Wing and Boston Legal, another David E. Kelly show. I like Boston Legal. Yeah. Do you watch that? I, I, I didn't know, because it, it, that's the one that has William Shatner, right? Yeah. Never seen it. People recommend it to me, though. Mm. It's quirky. I mean, it's not... You don't... I, I wouldn't suggest getting the box set, you know, but if it's on, don't turn it off. Right. That's <laughs> You know what I mean? It's so... <laughs> We're now doing a podcast of things that, if are on, duels won't turn off. I mean, it's not the best recommendation no, in the world. But it's not... It's not, like, two stars. Right. It's a solid three. If there is nothing else to do and yeah. you have no hands. And you have no hands. This is the show for you. <laughs> but it's kind of cool and meta and it's, it's good. So, um, Duels is going to come to Perth with me. Uh, I'm going to put this podcast up today, Duels. Mm-hmm. And uh, Duels, thanks, by the way, to everyone for... I did a podcast, the one that went up uh, this weekend, just gone. I uh, was with Dave Anthony, who's been doing a lot of the podcasts with me, yeah. and a guy called Ian Bagg, who you might know. I worked with him at the Comedy Store uh, in Sydney... Earlier this year, I think. Very, very funny stand-up. Yeah. Actually, you were on that, that. That was when you were doing your... Um, oh, when run. I was doing my run. Yeah. 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 So that he was doing... Uh, he's one of the best live stand-ups you'll ever see. Amazing. Always great on the podcast, but just a brilliant live performer. Mm. Mm. And uh, Ash Williams. Do you know Ash? He's an Australian guy. I do know Ash from when I was at Nova. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah cool. he worked with Husey. So, Ash, he was just so fucking hilarious. And so, thank you to everyone who's been uh, hitting us all up and, and letting us know how much you enjoyed that last one. Dawes and I are coming to Perth yeah. to do stand-up shows this weekend. Friday night's pretty much sold out, but uh, there's some tickets on Saturday night if people want to come along. Mm. Um, what's the biggest gig you've done so far doing stand-up? Because people in Australia will know you particularly from radio, I, radio. I'm guessing, yeah, yeah, firstly. Yeah, radio right? and the, the project and stuff. Uh, the biggest stand-up... <clears throat> um, Oh, I did an end more charity thing, but generally speaking, the comedy store would be kind of the biggest. Well, how many? I was going to ask you how many this place holds. Well, I think uh, I'm about to get terrified. I think about twenty two hundred. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much full on Friday, and good. And hopefully, if people listen to this and buy mm. some tickets, yeah, we can fill mm. it up again on Saturday. Well, but... come on, the, come on the Friday because I'm going to try some new gear. <laughs> <laughs> ideas kicking around and my mind is working them out. I saw someone do that at this Enmore show that I did. And I was yeah. kind of nervous and it was like I'd just kind of gotten back into stand-up and was just starting to feel it out. And this guy got up and seriously, it was like he was working out material, like in front of 1600. It was, yeah, right. oh man, it was tough. It was tough going. I mean, that any time of gala thing, mm. and to be honest, I mean, the it's a, apparently this venue in Perth is amazing. I've never played it before. Mm. Um, we just got to a point in Perth because of the amazing support of people over there that we had to go to a bigger venue. Yeah. And I, 
to be honest, that felt like too many people to me. But everyone who's played it says that it doesn't feel that big. It's got, it's got a really intimate feel and there's no sort of bad seats in the house and that sort of thing. But I wouldn't want to do that bigger room at the start of the tour. Like, I've been doing this tour for, like, six months now, and I've done it, like, 120 times. Mm. You know, I'm happy to just go out and, like, Bang you know, through, yeah. be, you know, know every beat of the show and where it's going. But, yeah. yeah. So what I'm saying is don't try new shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to do a whole lot of kind of, oh, Perth, pretty backward over here, aren't you? Like, yeah. people like that. What's like... with Ben Cousins, guys? <laughs> Come on. You guys are still into Ben Cousins jokes, right? Uh, what about New York? Tell us about. Uh, are you going to do stand up in New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heading to New York to do stand up. So I've got to do all visory things and stuff yeah, like sure. that when I'm over there. But um, yeah, just kind of thought it was time for a change. Kind of get out of Australia. For what a are your expect? What What are you looking to achieve from that? Anything less than becoming the biggest star in America will be a huge failure for me. I feel so, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's a realistic expectation. I don't want to be the biggest in the world, right. just the biggest in the biggest market in the world. Right. No, I, I just If you to... could just say that <laughs> on your visa application. I'm mean, going to be the biggest star yeah. in America. So, look, I might not have all the credits you need now, <laughs> but I wouldn't be coming here if I did, would I? That's why I'm coming here. I just believe in myself, and someone once told me I had a lot of moxie. Right. Um, Call me in a year. <laughs> then I'll tell you what my credits are. Um, I'll give you a visa <laughs> to the country of Scott Doolistan. <laughs> why has he written all this on his visa? <laughs> this is... Can I get another card? I'm still not finished with my visa application. It's the most caps anyone's ever used. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, so no, I'm just, um, I just want to go over there and just try something new, yeah. you know, um, I kind of, I don't know what you've done, it's a weird kind of thing to do, it's, it's and there is a thing. I'm, that, I'm more interested though in, like, where I did it, mm. I mean, it was terrifying and confronting for me, but, and, and still continues to be in a lot mm. of ways, mm. but yeah, wonderfully rewarding and stuff as well, but I don't know if I could have done it without... I mean, I'm 18 years in now. Like, yeah. I went over there thinking, you know, okay, well. You know you know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I know that I have stuff to learn, mm. but at least I know what I'm doing. Like, there's part of me that wishes I was going at your stage, you yeah. know, where, where I could grow up in that scene and be more part of it because most of the people who are on the scene are more at that stage of their careers and at their stage of their life. So I think that there's a, a, a so many reasons why this is a great idea. Mm. But I'm... But I also must, you must be a little bit terrified. Absolutely, yeah, but I am, but it's also the thing of, um, because it's, I mean, it's such a, people don't really realise this, it's a constant learning curve. And, 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 And the thing is, is that people, like you would look at your show now and go, okay, this is where I want it to be, this is good. In 12 months time, you're going to look back at this period and go, oh, I can't believe I thought, Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's kind of, and I, my, my, there was really, I had that experience recently. I was putting together a set for my Montreal gala Mm. and I hadn't been back there for three years. So I thought, perfect. Mm. Like I'm going to put together this set of the best stuff I've done in the last three years. Perfect. But still, I don't feel like I quite nailed it because instead of doing the best bits from three years, I think I should have just done one bit from this year. Yep. Because it's just more, like, I felt like I went back to an idea that isn't 
Like the bit still works really well, but the concept or where I was when I wrote that bit, I'm not quite there anymore. So I'm not sure I connected exactly with. Oh, totally. And so, so I'm putting together this hour for essentially for Melbourne for next year. Oh, and great. Festivals and stuff. So I'm doing like a work in progressy thing in Sydney in the next couple of weeks. And where can people find the information about that? I don't want people to go. Well. <laughs> You want Tofu people to go? Oh yeah, to- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, these are, so I want, yeah, these I want, are the people you I want, want nice to go. Nice people to go. Um, so I'm doing the Sydney Fringe, so uh, at the Factory Theatre. You can find yeah, go to the Fringe thing. Um, but it's very small and it's very. But I'm, if people you- enjoy this podcast, Scott, they have low expectations. <laughs> And, I, and we appreciate that. The problem is I've got like 20 minutes on Skerritt and then, right. and, then, and then the last 40 is just me talking about women shitting. So. Hang on, I've heard all this on the podcast. Yeah, we're going to do some new material. I enjoyed it when I thought it was spontaneous. I didn't realise women shitting and Tom Skerritt were his number one and number two and things on his... He's turning the pages. Just wait, I've got a line on that. Yeah. Limo and I, uh, Limo, uh, who you know very well. Mike's flatmate. Exactly. Anthony Lehman. Uh, Lima, who's been on the podcast before, um, he uh, and uh, he was. Um, oh fuck, I've completely forgotten what I said. What was he talking about, Jason? Talking about scripting, uh, forty minutes, women shitting, women shitting, women <laughs> shitting. Is it women shitting? I think it's women shitting. <laughs> In that half second, it took me to explain to people who Limo was, even though everyone kind of knew who Limo was, I managed to forget what I was talking about. Anyway, what I'm saying is people have low expectations. Good, good. Yeah, so, but it's interesting going back to... Oh, Limo and I had Rodney Root. On the show now, Rodney Root again. Let's we're going, we're going on a bit of a journey through Australian bloody, comedy it's history. Bloody old here, isn't it? Uh, Rodney Root, very famous um, Australian comedian of the sort of eighties, yeah, but still does very well now. Yeah, very much a blue, blue. He's blue. Yeah, um, a lot of his stuff is kind of like very old school. Yeah, but he also um, uh, had a, and I. I may have even talked about this on the podcast before, but in Queensland in the 80s, he was a bit of a pioneer for free speech because he got arrested a few times and there were some court cases. That's and he, right, yeah. He kind of was a little Australian Lenny Bruce. Yeah. Even though he was just going, hey, I pivoted. <laughs> Rodney! <laughs> and other stuff that sounds like that. Um, but anyway, Limo and I had him on the radio show yeah. when, he, when he was doing his Goes the Growl tour. <laughs> Rodney Rude goes the growl. Just before we go on, <laughs> what what did Rodney what what titles did Rodney reject? Because right. they were too crass. Before he goes, <laughs> before he goes, oh, goes the growl. Goes the growl. Yeah. Uh, Rodney goes the growl, and then I pivoted. <laughs> Rodney. <laughs> I mean, that's the gist of his act. That's not word for word. I'm paraphrasing. Ah, Rodney. <laughs> I can see you in court. I can see you in court. No, but he's actually like, so we got him on because despite the fact that his comedy is not my comedy and his audience is not my audience, Mm. I genuinely do have, I mean, I'm in my comedy taste. I have, I'm a broad church. Yeah. You know, there's lots of times I laugh my ass off at shit that is just puerile and mm. yeah, silly. Mm. And there's world-class comedians that I don't enjoy because I just don't enjoy their style of comedy, not because they're not great comics. Like, you know, mm. comedy is, comedy, yeah, it's subjective. subjective yeah. Right? And so 
when I was a teenager, I thought Rodney Roo was hilarious, right? Of course he and did. so as an adult working in the industry that he helped create, I thought that despite the fact that, you know, we're not really... I don't think Rodney and I are ever going to be a double bill. <laughs> I couldn't see Rodney opening it for you in Perth. No. Like coming out. Yeah. Hey, Jules. <laughs> um, thanks for agreeing to do the show, but we're not sold out on Saturday, and Rodney Roode's agreed to do it. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so um, we thought we'd have him on the show, and the interesting thing for me was he had a paid job material and one-liners so whatever we asked him because we were just interviewing him yeah but he would go like he would go into a joke and a bit and stuff yeah wow yeah it was really interesting he was very funny but it was very interesting yeah that is interesting to see people it's it's i I always find it very interesting to see how different people work like and i know uh so doing this show thing is i've Got an idea which I've kind of stolen from Ronnie Chang, which is what he does. He yeah, do Asian stuff. Doing a lot of like my parents want me to be a lawyer from right. Singapore. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if that was your show. You just did Ronnie Chang's last year's show, but like didn't acknowledge the fact that you weren't Asian. <laughs> oh man! And just did the show word for word. I would love to. I would love to. It was people like, would see that. Oh, absolutely! But it was like the year I remember talking to you years ago. I think we were both at Triple J. And you were like, it was coming up to some festival, right. and you said, I'm seriously considering just doing an hour of just me dancing. Oh, yeah, interpreting dancing. Just, Sydney Opera House. I was I, about to play the Sydney Opera House. I would happily I pay, I, I would have bankrolled that entire tour. I wanted to know how long people would stay. I know, I just wanted to see, it was such a hidden camera. Right. I still think. Because I'm not known for that sort of thing. Like, if it was someone who was known for that... So you'd if it was like, oh, Sam yeah. Simmons, right. oh, here we go. Here we go. He'll smash biscuits into my face in a minute. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You would expect that. But I'm not known for that. <laughs> so if I came out... Smash <laughs> Like, Sam Simmons' audience would become... Like, they'd be like, he's been dancing for 20 minutes. How does he do it? Great. Yeah. That's what we came for. <laughs> That's just someone using the... Um, uh, water in the house. Oh, I thought it was someone knocking to get in. That no. sounds like that sounds like some people having some good times in there. Yeah, I want to be a part of it. I want to get in on that shit. <laughs> um, no, this room eventually will be soundproof. It will have none of these issues, and it will have good microphones. Mm. But it will probably still have that sound of someone turning on a tap in my house. I like it. Do you know the frightening thing is there's no one in your house right now. Shit, out there. Sometimes there isn't anyone in my house, mm. and that comes on. Sure. And I freak out. And then I realise, because I'm out the back of my office, so mm-hmm. I hear that go dick, 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 dick. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh, my God, there's fucking no one in the house. <laughs> Maybe there's someone in the house. Should I go in the house? Mm-hmm. The cats are in the house. They wouldn't have used the tap, right? And then I realise that I'm stoned <laughs> and I put on the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> of I gotta say, it, it, when I arrived here just for just a peek behind the curtain of the pod cave, uh, it smelled heavily like inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Smells of inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, I, I just my fascination with the dancing thing was how long. Would people like? I think oh, I love it as an artistic idea. Right. It to it, it beyond the kind of oh, let's dig people right. around. It's an I've artistic got experiment. Four hundred people. Let's just say you do it in like yeah. I think this stuff like this was years and years and years ago. Yeah, I was playing like a four hundred seat room at Sydney Opera House. Yeah, and I was like, so they've all come to see me do stand up. 
But some of them at that stage might not have known what it is that I do. Well, I just think in any room that big, uh, say 400, I reckon at least 20 people are there on dates. Right. And they might not like you. And, 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 and you, like, I always think that when I'm doing the comedy store, like, they've seen my name on the thing. Right. And I know when they've walked in, someone's got, oh, this fucking guy. Right. I fucking hate this guy. But uh, if I'm going to get my dick sucked, I've got to go and laugh a lot. You know, whatever it is. That's what I think. I it's think true, but you know what, you know what I mean? Abs- it's like someone gets dragged along. But you're absolutely right. Mm. Of course they do. Yeah. Like, I mean, I get this at Gruen every week. We've been doing this TV show for six years. Yeah. In the warm-up, I always ask a question of the audience. I say, and it's just a simple way to get everyone to clap, but it's also for me to know how much I have to explain because, you know, our show obviously isn't a traditional show, so if there's people there, you know, who are familiar, blah, blah, blah. So I kill all that by going and saying, like, okay, so everyone's here. It's Gruen Nation tonight. Who here has been for a recording in Gruen Nation? All right, clap, clap, clap. Okay, that's those people. Who here has... You know, and if that's a lot of people, I know not to go over the same shit that I go over all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, sort of thing. So then I'm like, all right, clap your hands if you've seen Gruen Nation on the TV. All right, okay, that's most people. Clap your hands if you've seen one of the Gruen shows, any of the ones we've done. Clap your hands on the TV. Okay, clap your hands if you've never seen the show before. Mm. We're six years in. They're in the live studio audience. Mm. Our audience goes in the hour that it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't can't get get tickets tickets easily. Yeah, like it's insane. Yeah, there's never a tweet. uh, Hey, if you if you can beat the ABC in 20 minutes, we're about to record. Yeah. Yeah. We've never had an audience where there wasn't someone sitting in the live television recording who hadn't seen the show before. Amazing. So, of course, in your room, there's always going to be people who you think that they're all there to see you. But they're not. Mm, mm. So, um, basically, uh, what was the point I was trying to make about that? About the interpretive dance. So there's oh, 400. So the percentages of right. So this is my thing: is like there'd be some people who I think at the start people would kind of enjoy it. They you might not laughs. be loving it, you get laughs, but you get yeah. some laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if someone that you don't expect to come out comes out and starts doing that, there'd be some laughs. Mm. And then after a while, I think there would be that period where the laughs died down. I mentioned that period. But I think that then there would be a period where they got back up again, like Sideshow Bob and the Rakes, right? There's that moment where you get through the comedy (laughs) until it's funny again. Yep. And then I imagine there would be chatter. Like, as in, like, people would either yell something out or start to at least chat to each other. But I think someone would be like, tell us a joke or get on with it or whatever. Yeah. And then, if I kept dancing through that, if I just didn't indulge that and I danced through that shit, I feel like then some people would start to leave. The thing is, as well, is that what people and I, I will remember this dance for the rest of my life. Is you showed me the dance that we thought, and it was right. it wasn't really dancing; it was just kind of bobbing. Right. So it wasn't like oh, he's something. spinning around right. and he's doing he's wearing a proper costume or something. It was right. just literally side to side foot to right. foot. Well, because I might have to do it for an hour. That's right. Well, I'm not fit enough to dance a fucking full-on dance for an hour. Well, we need to change the interpretive dance. I have to do the Cliffy Young Shuffle. (laughs) Like, essentially, that's how I'm going to win. So, how many people? Okay, first question. A, do you think anyone would stay for the entire hour? Yes. And B, if so, what percentage of the audience? Uh, I reckon you'd have... I reckon you'd have 10. You know, 10 at the end. Why are they staying? To see what happens. Right. I reckon. And and then there's just some, like, you know, I mean, 
Com- I, I love comedy. I love doing comedy. I love the people you meet, but there's some fucking weirdos that like it. Right. There's at least one person who actually thinks it's the best thing they've ever seen. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And that person's name's Scott Dooley, and he put you up to it. <laughs> and I am at the end standing up. I don't know how he does it. Every year, it's a new hour. <laughs> Say what you will about Will. It's new and it's fresh every year. You're doing a, um, you're doing interviews like outside your house about the tour. There's people actually taking your furniture, repossessing it. You're like, it's worth it. It's all worth it. I saw it every night. I saw it every night. Look, I thought we may have overextended booking the main room at the opera house for three months, but we got there. Did you see that Brandy uh, did a gig? Did you see this? The R&B artist Brandy. Oh, right. Uh, she was Moesha. TV's Moesha. Oh, mm. that's Brandy. Mm. Well done. Mm. Good, good trivia there. I like <laughs> that. It's trivia. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's trivia, isn't it? Well, I can't think of anything more trivial that's been said in the last 24 right. hours. Yeah. So, Brandy, TV's Moesha. Apparently, Moesha might not have the uh, heat that it has anymore. Oh. In fact, uh, tell us what you know about Brandy, and I'm going to look up this story while we... Uh... Brandy, uh, R&B singer, I think the biggest hit would have been The oh. Boy Is Mine in oh. 1999. Is that a cover of, like... Yeah, the the goddamn book. Like, is it a no, boy's no, book? No, no, no. The boy is mine. Uh, she was kind of going to be. She's going to be like the next. I think you know what kind of deaded um, her career was. Destiny's Child came through, and there was kind ah. of that <clears throat> became the thing, right? Mm. The, the way the way that Twelve Hundred Techniques felt when the Hilltop Woods came along. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Yeah. All right, here we go. Here's a Brandy story for you. Okay. Uh, Brandy tried to bring her act to South Africa last weekend, mm-hmm. but it almost didn't count. What? Why would it almost not count, Scott Dooley? Brandy tried. Oh, don't tell me she's in South Africa. Uh, oh, I can't think. Did she not sell a ticket? No, she would have sold tickets to Brandy. Yeah, that's right. In fact, she was playing at the FNB Stadium which has a 90,000 capacity. Yeah. Fucking Brandy. So you were mocking Brandy. You're like, she would have sold Brandy. a ticket. This is like... But she's playing a 90,000-seat stadium in South Africa. This is like when you find out the Ramones were playing soccer stadiums in Brazil. Right. Until, like, 94. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody had an idea. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, was it before a game or... That's the only... I've been a bit deceitful to you, Scott Dooley. So, the Boys Mind Singer, obviously was her biggest hit, (laughs) because they referred to her as the Boys Mind Singer. (laughs) The Boys Mind Singer took the stage at the 90,000 capacity FNB Stadium to a crowd of 40 people. (laughs) No. Oh, Brandy. Oh, so who booked that? So, well, someone who overestimated Brandy's drawing capacity, I'm suggesting. Somebody who was obviously a bigger Moesha fan than most of South Africa. You know, though, just in that percentage, <laughs> that some people go, oh, well, we probably can't afford dance floor tickets. So they were in. The- <laughs> <laughs> Brandy, but we really only know that one song. Wait, 200 grand for that. 
so here we go. Let's uh, let's learn more about this. Brandy was intended. Uh, oh, okay. Well, here we go. It's not all Brandy's fault. It turns. Yeah, out. okay. I don't want to be kind of a Brandy bashing situation. Right. Uh, Brandy was intended as a surprise performer during the music portion of the Nelson Mandela Sport and Culture Day. Right. So, I mean, it's really more a slight for Nelson Mandela. Sure, Nelson's bit of bums on season 40. I mean, he's on his deathbed. Yeah. I thought out of respect, yeah. if nothing else. But the surprise element didn't work out in her favour. <laughs> no. Attendees didn't know to expect the singer, and they poured out of the... Oh, okay, so... So it turns out there had been more people. Oh, there, there. had been more than 40. Okay, oh, thank goodness. Because that would have been a real slap in the face of the guy that ended apartheid. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we get it. Yeah, yeah we won the Rugby World Cup. Are you still talking about that? What has he done for us lately? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what he's been doing? Taking up a hospital bed. Right. Supporting that. <laughs> what if I get sick? What if Pistorius shoots someone else? Yeah, half his life <laughs> off the prison system, <laughs> half of it off government. Now, always with a bloody handout, Mr. Right. Mandela. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, everything we're talking about <laughs> um, yeah. is satire. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want that going on faux faux quotes. Right. Always with his hand out, Mandela. Scott Dooley. No. I mean, what... <laughs> is there people like Mandela still, do you think? Because in the 80s, and, like, I mean, I don't know if you've read A Long Walk to Freedom, but it's one of the most amazing right. books I've ever... Like, I mean, a stunning man, a man who was willing to go to, mm. like, to prison... For his convictions, you know, mm. like a man who ended like, you know, racism and apartheid in his country, who became president of his country, who, I mean, what a, just an amazing, mm. ins- is, really there, is there people like that anymore, do you think? Um, oh, it's, it's hard, there are, but we're not hearing about them, because the stuff that's going on, I'm sure there's a Syrian Mandela, right? but we're not going to hear about no. that, but you know what I mean, it's the, the control of the... Um, the media, like, because you mean you know, Madding and Snowden could be one day seen as those right guys, like, the guys know, who are willing to go to prison, go for, to their prison for that conviction, and and um, you know, Manning's going to be a tougher sell with the sex change, I think, for people to, you know, I feel like they just get M Night Shyamalan to do that. Right. I mean, that is a twist <laughs> that he would be. Yeah, it was very. It's it's such a interesting thing, isn't it? That whole. Because I philosophically, like I think that yeah, the more information's out there, and that we have to be able to uncover these you know people when they're doing the wrong things, and like interesting information has come out. But I also get the idea that you have to balance those things against national security and people's lives and all those sort of things. Yeah. And it's such a complex area that I'm not sure that we've I, come yeah, to the right solution. Yeah, I agree. Oh. I think the thing though that has been annoying is. For me, was in the, the Manning trial in particular, is the the narrative is controlled by the prosecution. Of course. So you get a lot of you know he wants to be a woman. Like I remember they were talking about his Facebook. That was a big thing, yeah. and, and and what he's done, and and it's treasonous and all this stuff, which really took away from. By the, the way, stuff that he found out. Yeah, but also by the way, if you're looking at someone, you're like, oh, I wonder if this guy was just trying to, you know be treasonous or I wonder if this is a guy who is willing to sacrifice his life on the strength of his convictions mm. someone who is willing like who is convicted has enough conviction to change their sex yeah like yeah. he's not a guy who goes into things lightly no absolutely you know I mean? well I was really thinking what was I mean 
So they need two pretty big decisions this cat's got to make, you know, like releasing it and then, hey, and also, this feels a bit weird. I wouldn't mind getting rid of it. And And I think that people get freaked out by that idea. Yeah. But I was it was I was doing a um, one of those uh, it was a marriage equality um, march sort of you know right. kind of thing right. and uh, I just spoke at it and then I marched you know with the people and I spoke to this uh, woman who was uh, well uh, maybe I shouldn't even be saying woman woman she was uh, intersex now I don't know if you've no I'm unfamiliar heard so there's so I think that's the GL. B-T-I, you know, so it's gay, lesbian, bisexual, transsexual, and intersex. Intersex. I believe so. Right. Which is another thing where I, I, you know what? That's what the internet's for. Yeah. Although I'm not sure I should be uh, typing intersex into the internet. Intersex. I looked it up with the Manning thing. Oh, so it's not distinctly identified as male or female. Oh. So it's not like someone who has all the male attributes but, like, identifies as female oh, like or someone who's... Yeah, yeah, but really just, like, and maybe... Yeah. So I don't want to go into it because I don't want to be disrespectful about it, but I spoke to her for, like, 40 minutes on this thing and you were just like, you know, she wasn't a weirdo. She wasn't like... Yeah. But when you were growing up or when you meet someone, if you met someone, you're like, oh, well, they don't know what they are or there's someone who was a woman who wanted to be a man or whatever. You, I just think until you talk to those people or you know, experience that. Like, you understand why, like, people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't like the idea of gay people getting married. Like, to me, it just makes no sense at all because I've grown up in a world where I've known so many gay people that it never even occurred to me that they should have less or more rights than what I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so it's an easy decision for me to make because Mm. I've never really been confronted by it as an Mm. adult. You know, Mm. I've always just thought it was the right thing. Mm. But, at the same time then, like, learning about intersex or whatever, you like, oh, this confronts yeah. me again in a way that, like, you know... I mean, yeah. it's interesting to go, oh, that's just the thing again. Yeah. I got freaked out. Like, that was, <laughs> that was like a knock on the door. Um, yeah. Do you think? Like, yeah, no, you know? I do. I agree. Well, I mean, I think the thing is as well, it's hard for us to be... Like, the, like you said, with the marriage equality debate, it's, you know, when you're in show business and... You know, the the I looked up the not intersex, but the you know kind of the gender issues, um, right. and it's it's more common than you think. So one in five hundred people have transgender yeah, transgender uh, issues or identify as the opposite sex. So that means on uh, so on Friday night when we're in Perth, there'll be four or five people in the audience who will be identifying as a different gender than what they're either presenting or, you know. I wonder weird? if... I'm going to do a call-out. Just yeah. by round of applause, have right. a <laughs> And let's get Rodney Rude to do the same thing. <laughs> and we'll see if there's more or less, like, if either of us has... <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like, one right. in 500. I would have said, if you were to ask me, I'd have said one in 10,000. You know what I mean? Right. Because you don't see... It's not so visible. They say that 3 million people in Australia suffer from chronic pain. Mm. So what I have, my osteoarthritis, that's classified as chronic pain. You know, it's always painful. Mm. Sometimes, like today, I'm feeling fine. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's other days where, you know, it's very hard for me to get about at all, but that that's what they call chronic pain. Mm. I assumed, 
Like, I mean, I, of course you assume there are some people in chronic pain, mm. but the stats say nearly 3 million people out of, like, out of 22 million in Australia That's suffer. A lot of people. I know what it's like in my life, yeah. and I'm very lucky. I have, like, the capacity to kind of work around, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, but fuck, man. Like, the, yeah. you know, just millions of – you don't realise it until you, like, are in an area. Or, Absolutely. But think about if you'd done a different career choice and you were like, you know what, I want to be a builder. Right. You'd be, your career would be dead at 35. Well, part of the reason my hips are so bad was because I played. They say that uh, a lot of the men under 40 who have osteoarthritis in their hips play kicking ball sports. Right. So soccer, Aussie rules football, karate, anything that's like a, that your leg does that because it rubs weirdly against your hip socket if you have a certain right. uh, genetic condition. Yeah. So it doesn't cause it, it exacerbates something that you already have. See, that's why I was like, I never got a kick when I played right. footy, so never going to be a problem for me. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Root for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrible at junior footy, but I could still fuck it. Yeah, exactly, good. exactly. Who's fucking it now, Ace? So. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that you brought him into the room. Yeah, I know. Look at me. <laughs> He can't get up because his hips are so bad. So, um, but like, you know, as you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be a professional footballer. Yeah, and you're a good footballer. Like, yeah. You were training with good size. Right, when I was yeah. a kid. Like, yeah. nowhere near, like, ever. Like, there was that period of time between sort of 15 and 17 where you get really good and go on to that sort of thing. Yeah. I, that did not happen mm-hmm. for me. But imagine if that had happened. Like, you know, those anything that would have, I fucking stand up for an hour a night. Yeah. And I can drink while I'm doing it. Yeah. It's fine. Sure. Sure. <laughs> hey, we have to finish up, Scott Dooley. Okay. Because uh, it's getting towards the end. Now, um, firstly, I want to um, plug mm. uh, the fact, I know we've already talked about it, but we're in Perth this weekend. Yep. So I'm I, looking forward to it. I, I am now um, partially terrified. Well, you shouldn't be terrified. I mean, I'm hoping it's going to be really exciting for you. No, it is exciting. It is. But I'm kind of being. Um, yeah, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. What material? I want people to come. If there's tea baggers who are listening and you are mm. coming along, I want you to like you know fucking get there early and love love some duels. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, it should be good fun, and it's gonna be good because we get to spend. I've been hung out for a while, so we get the weekend just that'll be fun. Kicking uh, around so uh, Nina Las Vegas. I saw this. We've got that party. Was uh, yeah, was saying that uh, if we wanted to go to the Triple J. Um, I think the last time I was in Perth, you and I went to a Triple, a triple J, J party. party. Yes, we did. Remember? Oh, I do remember. Yeah, that. and we DJed with Steve Hooker while wearing his gold medal from the Olympics. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, man. Oh, we're going to relive the shit out of that. <laughs> Steve Booker, if you're listening, bring your gold medals because we're going to be somewhere in Perth. We were flavor-flaving the shit out of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, medal. we really were. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, good times. All right, yeah, so come to the show Friday night. Should then I come... open with the fact that I'm single? I reckon that's going to be good for me. It's a good look for me. Man, like, yeah. <laughs> like, open with it. Sound open... really desperate. <laughs> Or uh, if you're coming to the Triple J party on Friday night, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott singer. Do you? Oh, <laughs> we just showed how brave we are. We a little dog barking from beyond the door. We both jumped. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, I remember the last time. I think the, the Opera House I opened for you. Limo was doing a thing. He couldn't do it one night. Yep. And I went. It was my birthday. Yep. And I remember you devoted a good five minutes at the beginning and end of the show going, and it's Scott's birthday and we're going to be at the Opera Bar. Come down and buy him a drink. 
How'd that go? Oh, I got hammered. It was oh, awesome. Okay. All right, well, uh, Scott's single. <laughs> <laughs> Come down, give him a hand job. <laughs> Let's see if it works. Let's see if it translates. I will, I will, uh, you can uh, f- find uh, the details, willanderson.com.au. I'm also going to Sydney. Uh, I've got a gig in Chatswood. I'm doing Canberra. Canberra's uh, pretty close to selling out, so if you're in Canberra and you want to come along to the show, uh, I would get in on that one quickly. Uh, duels apart from... Oh, so you're doing uh, my Sydney shows Sydney at the show. airport as well? Yeah, People yeah, come yeah. So you, and we'll do another podcast when we're in Perth. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let's do a uh, Perth podcast and um, what, I've got a podcast, Greenlight Boys, which yes. is where we make up movies with um, obscure actors and actresses. And also, um, Jules is, and I don't mean to piss in your pocket, but here it is. Okay. I think one of the funniest people on Twitter. Your oh, Twitter you, stuff man. is very, very... Oh, thank you. Like, it's very, very funny. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, so, if it doesn't go well on the weekend, just read out your tweets. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for being here. Um, if you like the podcast, go to iTunes and rate it. You can, oh, we're now part of the All Things Comedy Network, which I haven't really done anything about yet. But we are, you can find us on the ATC website, and uh, it's, it's great to be part of All Things Comedy. Um, we probably shouldn't have said that on the one that's so poorly recorded, but so many of them are. Uh, but anyway, that's really exciting, which means the show is now on SoundCloud as well. So I know there's a lot of people that don't like to listen on iTunes, uh, so you can now find us on SoundCloud. And I've been told that if you listen on SoundCloud, you can, like, comment on different yeah, bits of Yeah, 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 different parts. You, can, you see, you, you'll see a lot of kind of, uh, like, these little tags that come up and it just says gold. And you go to that part and you've got no context. It's just someone going, well, then he shit it. <laughs> oh, good. So you've got to go back to the part right. before that. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see a lot of gold on Megan Fox. <laughs> Shitting with Michael Bay's explosions. (laughs) 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 Alright, we'll talk to you again soon. Cheers.